Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Believe in Bears. My name is Joy Christopoulos, and with me is our host of Believe in Bears, former Chicago Bears offensive lineman Cameron Lee. Cameron, 28 days till week one. Can you smell the ankle tape? Can you smell the puke from the parking lot at the tailgate? How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm excited. I'm very excited about the prospect of there being actual live football in just 28 days. I don't know what ankle tape smells like, but... I'm excited to I'm excited to find out. I'm just imagining some sort of gasoline <laughs> adhesive of some kind. You just get that quick little whiff there. I don't know. I was a sharpie. I was a sharpie smeller as a kid, so maybe that's where I'm coming from on that. But we're getting closer. You're, you're, a, little di- you're a little different, Joey. Oh, it's a little different. I'm, I'm, I'm proud, and I'm proud of it, man. We are 28 days away from week one, and it announced that we're going to have full padded practices on Monday. "Quote unquote," Nagy's words. We're going to callous up the players. Maybe we'll just kick it off like this, you know, from a non-football player to a football player, getting out there the first full padded practice. You're hitting people. Are you excited to to knock someone out, or are you you would you like a couple of knocks first at least to maybe like warm up to the to the blows? No, the first day of pads is so exciting for a football player. It's so exciting for a lineman. It's so exciting for anyone that really uh, is there for the physicality of the sport. You know it. It's, it's kind of like Christmas Day because you've been going through this entire offseason. You've been doing all this stuff, all this training, but none of it means anything, especially as a lineman. I'm going to, I'm, this episode in particular, like I'm really going to sound like an offensive lineman when I say, you know, you haven't done anything until you've put the pads on. So you can watch all the tape you want. You can do all the studying and take practice your steps and practice your technique, but nothing matters until you put the pads on. And so I'm very excited as a, as a player. This is a, this is an exciting time. Yeah. look, It's real football, right? You look good in shorts. You can only get so many points though in the NFL for looking good in shorts. Exactly. And like I said, these, these offensive linemen and, and people in position battles, people are looking to prove themselves. I mean, this is the time. Uh, I, this is, this is exciting stuff. And that's what we're going to get into today here on Believe in Bears. Cameron Lee is going to go through some of the position battles going on in training camp right now. It's still a little early, but there are some spots. There are some starter spots. Like, you know, the Bears are looking in a couple of different directions. And maybe I'll start with you. Is there a particular position battle that you are looking at square in the eyes right now that you're interested in? Aside from the quarterback battle. We'll get to that. The quarterback battle is going to be pounded into the ground by every single talking head, everyone in the media. You know, that's that's something that everyone's going to cover and everyone's going to talk about. And again, I told you, I'm going to really show my cards on this one. I want to talk about the offensive line. I, and I, that should have been that should have been a given. Right. But the, the position battle that I'm most interested in, and it's not just because I it's my position. It's the right guard for the Chicago Bears. But the Bears need to get back on track. They need to get this offense back on track. They need to establish the run game. They need to find that presence, that go-to, you know, that style. And, you know, everything that they're doing offensively is going to start with the offensive line. That's what every coach will ever tell you. It starts with the offensive line. So that right guard position, uh, I'm very interested to see. You know, bringing in Jermaine Effetti, um, a, a seasoned player, someone with starting experience, uh, primarily a tackle in his past. But, you know, obviously stepping inside, making that transition, 
Um, and he's going against Rashad Coward, who uh, has played uh, played several games, stepped up in the absence of, of Kyle Long. Uh, Shad is actually a converted defensive lineman. He and I were actually rookies together um, in Chicago in 2017. Uh, so it, seeing him sort of make that growth and that transition, uh, he's turned into a great offensive lineman. Um, you know, he's been a, a solid backup, um, had the opportunity to play in some games, and now I'm really anxious to see how he and Jermaine kind of do fighting for that right guard spot and hoping that they can provide some consistency, some much-needed consistency for this entire Bears offense. Yeah, I'd love to ask about Effetti in a second, but let's stick with Rashad Coward. Uh, you know the guy. So when he got into the lineup, I mean, from, from a novice's eyes, it looks like he held his own there for the, for the better part of his opportunity. You know, uh, what was that like to see, to see one of your guys out there? And you think that he has a legitimate shot at winning the starting job? I think he's got a legitimate shot at it. Uh, you know, being, watching Shad play, he's obviously he's a, he's a good athlete. You know, being able to – I mean, I think anyone will tell you that typically those you know, those guys that can come over from the defense side of the ball are oftentimes more athletic than the guys that were playing on the offensive line. Uh, so he's, he's a good athlete, good size, strong player. Um, you know, obviously kind of learning the position and, and uh, you know, shaping up that technique. I think that's a little hard. Um, he's a guy that, you know, obviously likes to play physical. Um, but yeah, I think that in his opportunities, he held his own last year. I'm not sure that you're ready to say hey this guy is a starter um and obviously you know this bears offensive line is going to be a talking point a lot this year and the moment things don't go well for their offense there's going to be a lot of eyes and fingers you know being pointed at that group shad i i i think has a chance to be in that role so um but yeah i think he still has a ways to go to prove that he can be a consistent starter you brought up a great point in the last pod about what it was like to switch positions in the offensive line, you know, going from right guard to left guard, it's going right-handed to left-handed, not so easy. You know, in, in your opinion, a guy who was on the defensive line moving to the offensive line, what kind of transition is that like? Is that just as similar as learning a whole new, you know, body language? Is that a whole new, you know, physical way of learning how to play the position? Yeah. I mean, like, I think that that jump in that transition is, is probably a lot harder than people even really realize. I mean, you're not only changing the side of the ball you're on, you're changing your stance, you're changing, you know, kind of your body posture, the way that you, you know, honestly, even your body composition, it's not the same. And people, you know, if from the untrained eye, you might think, oh, that's a big guy, that's a lineman. But there's a big difference between an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman. There's a big difference in, you know, the way they operate and the things that they're trying to accomplish. Um, so, yeah, for, for anyone to make that transition, that's impressive. And to do it at the professional level, that's even more so. But yeah, I mean, like Chad's a Chad's a good athlete, and um, you know he's been able to to make that transition at this level. I, I think it's I think it's very impressive. And he's got a little bit of that uh, continuity currency going for him, at least a little bit on the Bears right now. Well, I just wanted to say, obviously, like in a, in this offseason, any continuity is a huge deal. Any any experience you have with that group is going to carry a lot of weight. So any returning player, I think, has an advantage. You know, stepping in the building. So Jermaine Effetti coming over from the Seahawks, you look on paper, you're like, God, the Seahawks winning football team the last three years. Dude's been a starter all those three years. The knock and the thing that's going around the media right now is the dudes led the league in penalties the last couple of years, especially last year. Help us dispel a little bit, you know, on your bullshit detector there. Cause obviously we can't like necessarily go through and look at, you know, he's got some false starts and everything, but that could be a mixture of a lot of different things that are going on, or it could be about the player. 
you know, put your bullshit detector on that. You know, how much is that of a concern or, you know, is that really maybe not necessarily something that we should worry about in a new system on a new team? I'm truthfully, I don't look too much at offensive linemen penalties. You know, a lot of people say that's a matter of being undisciplined. That shows that, you know, you're not someone that's locked in. And to me, what it says is you're aggressive and, you know, they're, there's some, definitely some pros and cons to that. When I was in, when I was in Chicago, our offensive line coach uh, was Jeremiah Washburn, and he always said, uh, "That's the cost of doing business." And I just thought that was kind of like a funny way of putting it. You know, a lot of people, they, you know, they get pissed off at you when you commit a penalty and you're losing five yards at a time. And obviously, it's not good, but you preach and you harp on these guys: be aggressive, get off the ball, you know, play, uh, you know, physically, and and all these things. You can't, you can't constantly you know, hype these guys up and get them going and say, this is how we're going to play. This is how we're going to do it. And then get mad at them when they jump off sides or, or when they, or when they jump the ball, you know? So, you know, I don't look too much into that. I think uh, if you look at Jermaine, uh, his track record as being a physical, like I was talking about on the previous show, I was never an ass kicker. Jermaine Effetti is an ass kicker. He's a big physical offensive lineman. Uh, and I think that he's a great pickup because this Bears team is looking to establish an identity. We want to see the run. We want to see them run the ball. The Seahawks had plenty of success running the ball. You know, that's kind of, that's been their thing. And so let's bring in this guy. Let's see if he can help contribute to that culture, establish that identity, and, you know, provide some of that continuity. So I'm, I'm excited. I think he is a good fit, a good pickup, and, and I think it's going to be a great position battle. Yeah, interesting addition too, right? Because you got Bobby Massey on right at right tackle, country strong, right? And maybe there's been a little bit played out a little bit too much about how Mitch Trubisky doesn't necessarily see the whole field. He kind of locks in a particular portion. So if you can shore up that right side, maybe give him some clean lanes to look at, you know, maybe you got yourself uh, in better shape than you were last year. My question for you, though, is from what I understand is there's technique when it comes to blocking of doing it the right way. And then the, isn't there also technique in terms of getting away with stuff, isn't that a fine line? Isn't that an inch or two in between a holding penalty and a, and a, and a good block? I, I believe the old adage goes, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> that's, that's my wife's I favorite mean, phrase. <laughs> you ain't how, cheating, you ain't trying. Of course. So how often do you hear uh, when you're watching games on Sunday, the commentators will say, if you look closely enough, you'll see that there's a hold on every play. Yes. You know, you got to have a little bit of that savvy. You got to have a little bit of that experience and knowing like what you can get away with and how you can, you know, best position yourself. Um, so yeah, like obviously Bobby uh, and, or any of these offensive linemen, you know, uh, at a certain point, you got to, you kind of take that next step, that next progression in your career. And it's not so much like, Hey, what I can do physically and how I can block you, but also like, Hey man, I, I know the rules. I know the officials. I know this time and this experience. Like I, I know what I can get away with, and I think that's an important part of any offensive lineman's progression. Is you got to be smart, and being smart sometimes is knowing how to get away with things. Let's dig in on this a little bit here. Are you the type of guy? Were you one of those throw your hands up in the air guys uh, to make sure that you showed the referee that you weren't holding? Uh, you know, when you were trying to get away, and some guys just like when they release, they'll just be like, "I didn't touch him." Did you have any tricks or perhaps what was, what was your go-to reaction when someone would call you for a holding penalty and you, and you knew it was, you were getting hosed? My reaction, man, I, I, I very rarely ever got called for a hold. I, Ooh. The type, I, I didn't. Yeah, I that, wasn't, that was, that wasn't my thing. Um, you know, I'm sure that I've shown up an official or two in my day, but I was never the type of guy that would 
throw my hands up in the air and make a big statement. Uh, I would be more like the the type of guy to to uh, walk towards the official and say, "So, so what did I do wrong?" I was the type. I was like taking notes. You know, I was I was out there. I was like, "Okay, don't do that. Got it. Okay." But I wasn't really the type to try and show up an official. That wasn't that wasn't really me. Why don't you explain to me how you were wrong, sir? Please, can you show me? Because I'm pretty sure that I yeah. did that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, see, I was kind of like more of a smart ass. Like, I wasn't like showing you up, but I was like, so could you just walk me through it? How would you have locked him? Because <laughs> they, uh, they love that. You know? what, what, what penalty gave you the hardest time? Or what, what would you say maybe would catch you the most out there? Oh, let's see. I, I had a false start or two because, you know, I was playing aggressive. It's cost of doing business, as, as Jeremiah Washburn would say. <laughs> yeah, coach, you see me fire off on that false start? Come on, I was ready to roll. How can I remember the snap count? I got, I got a lot on my mind, Coach. There's a lot going on. This guy. Have you have you yeah. smelled the breath of the the nose tackle that's right across from me right now? And I yeah, I, right. I defy you to try and pay attention it's, the whole time. It's distracting. It's not that easy to concentrate. So with we got their offensive line, you know we're looking at the right guard. All the other spots seem to be boring injury. You know, kind of kind of short up a little bit. They brought in Jason Spriggs. You know, they do have a guy, Alex Bars, on the roster, too, as well, hopefully to provide some depth. We'll see what happens. Hopefully they're quality backups. I'm kind of curious if we can just sort of pivot over to the running game a little bit. You know, David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen are sort of hedged in there, right? And you've got Ryan Nall on the roster or Tavis Pierce. Are you happy with the collection of running backs that this team has on there? I mean, there's a guy out there named Devontae Freeman who's 28 years old who's on the street right now. Do you think the – Bears maybe need to add to that position? Do you kind of like the collection that they have right now? I At this point in time, I don't think you're they're really – the way the league works, I don't think you can ever have too much running back depth. Um, and with Montgomery, I, I like a lot of the things that David Montgomery brings to the table. I like him as a running back. I I want to see more. You know, it's it's season two. It's level two. It's it's time to get out there and see a little bit more. Um, I like – I like Tariq. I like him, but the the fact is about Tariq, he, he's a gadget player, um, and him being you know your kind of your number two guy, um, I worry a little bit about you know just about how you can use him effectively consistently. You know, I I like that Coach Nagy comes up with lots of these gadget plays, and Tariq is a great gadget to have in your offense. But you're sometimes you just want to have that other running back, you know, that change of pace guy, which he can be, but I feel like he can only change he changes pace in very specific ways, you know. And there's gonna come a time where Dave Montgomery needs a spell. I don't know that they've got that plethora of depth that you're looking for and establish trying to establish your traditional running game that I that I would like to see the Bears, you know, kind of get going. And they made a go at it, right, with Mike Davis. And Mike Davis didn't work out last year, and they ended up cutting him loose. I mean, he found his spot on another team, but but clearly that was sort of the vibe that they wanted to do. Let's go to Stats Corner real quick. You know, Tariq Cohen in 2018 had 1,169 all-purpose yards, eight touchdowns. He had 71 receptions that year. Now, granted, last year he had 79 receptions, but his yards per catch went from 10.2 in 2018 to 5.8. He had seven runs of 20-plus yards in 2018. He had zero last year. So clearly, exactly what you're talking about right now, they just they struggle to find ways to get him into space. And if you can't do that, is he really a useful player? You know, that's sort of my question heading into this year. And I feel like with, I feel like with him, you know, 
we mentioned that the whole gadget player type of situation, the gadgets are really exciting and really uh, can be very effective when the other team doesn't know what they are and how they work and how they operate. Obviously, having a ton of success in 2018, um, you know, kind of it puts a target on your back or it, it triggers the defense. Oh, Tariq's on the field. What's what's going to happen, you know? And so even though he may have had more catches, he was much more contained or or whatever it may be. So like, like I'm saying here, Tariq Cohen is not a bad football player at all and definitely someone that you should be excited to have on your roster. But if we're looking for just, hey, a two-headed running back tandem, I don't know that he is the second guy that you're looking for. Yeah, you look at situations. I mean, the Patriots are an obvious example, right? They run four or five running backs every single year. And it's the guys like Deion Lewis and James White who aren't necessarily the number one, number two back. They kind of are that splice three, right? And they run them out in certain situations and try and find ways to get them into space. And Tariq is in a walk here this year, which also makes things a little bit more interesting. For sure. And you hit the nail on the head, though, when you talk about like the Patriots kind of running back by committee situation. And every single week, it's like trying to be a Patriots running backs owner in fantasy football. How? How are you supposed the to, worst. to play? Right, it's the absolute worst trying to decide who's going to be the man this week, um, and uh, it's inevitable that at some point James White's going to be sitting on your bench, and he's going to pop for you know, he's it might be the the leading the leading rusher and, and catch a touchdown pass. Tariq will have a game like that, but we're not talking fantasy football. We're talking about establishing the run, trying to get a real offense off the ground, and I just worry about their depth. Establishing the run. More stats. David Montgomery posted uh, four yards per carrier less than 10 games last year. Posted three yards or less eight times. Only caught 25 passes. We thought he might be utilized a little bit more. I think we're both in the same agreement that David Montgomery has a lot of talent. But what do you think those numbers are a product of? I mean, I think like we were talking about last week, it's a, a lot of that has to do with that offensive line. And a lot of that has to do with um, them coming out and having – not predictable, but an offense that is fairly one-dimensional for a number of reasons. They can't seem to find their passing game, and therefore teams are going to key in on that running game. So you, you've got that rookie running back that you want to come out and, and get off on a good start, and you want to get you know this entire offense rolling, but you're switching positions on the offensive line. You're dealing with injuries. You've got a quarterback that you don't trust. It's hard. It's just very hard. I know David Montgomery is a talented running back. I know that he can be, you know, a top-tier running back in this league. But it's going to take a lot of things going right and getting off to that good start. So let's just put it out there. Devontae Freeman, you know, would you bring in? Would you bring him in? Would you bring that type of player in? I mean, he's got plenty of production. He was hurt two years ago. But, you know, you see 41 touchdowns out of the last five years. I mean, is he the type of player that can help this team? Or is that a fit or what, what would you do if, if maybe you had the choice? I'm like, I was saying at the top of the segment, I mean, I'm always in favor of, of having running back depth because it's, it is a hard position to play. It is a hard position to make it through an entire season on. Um, and the bears, I see them as having one and a half consistent running backs. That's, that's what it is. And, and Tariq being a half, just because he's, just as much of a receiver as he is a a running back, you know? And so I, I would look, yeah, I would definitely look at a player like Devonta Freeman, anyone for that matter, just, I think it's all worth it. You know, having an established and proven and running back in that room, I, I don't see how it hurts. 
So let's go over to the wide receivers real quick. Not too much to debate there. A lot of stuff is sort of set in stone a little bit. But again, you know, Allen Robinson, as we all know, you know, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. 154 targets last year, but all the other receivers on the Bears combined saw only 165 targets. So it looked like that a lot of the food was only going in one direction. You know, maybe hope you can find someone to step up. You know, maybe let's just sort of start here, work our way down the depth chart a little bit. You know, what are you looking for or hoping for from Anthony Miller this year? It's not make it or break it, but this is we're kind of reaching that point where we know Anthony Miller is a good player. It's time to see him step up, take some of that load uh, off of Allen Robinson. Um, he's obviously carrying such a, a huge uh, percentage of that offense uh, is Robinson. And so we want to see the ball get spread around. We want to see Mitch have confidence going to more and more guys. Anthony Miller, it's time to take a bigger chunk of that response or a bigger responsibility um, and a bigger chunk of that offense. Yeah. And, you know, Ted Ginn Jr., you're bringing him in, you know, hopefully he's still got a little, you know, a little speed left in the tank. You know, hopefully he can maybe take the top off the defense one or two times. I'm a big fan of Cordell Patterson. I don't know if I'm that big of a fan of him running routes. I'm kind of more of a big fan of just get the ball in the dude's hands and sort of let him work a little bit. And so you've got kind of those guys right there. And then you've got Javon Wims, Ridley Ridley, you know, Darnell Mooney's a really interesting receiver right now for the Bears. You know, you just kind of go on YouTube, you look at the clips. The dude's a total burner, but what, he's 5'10", 5'11", out of Tulane. He looks, he looks brittle. Uh, he, he, look, he looks like a tiny little guy, you know. You know, you can have all the talent in the world, right, but you still sort of need a little bit of size to be able to compete in the NFL. You know, a guy like Darnell Mooney, do you think he could surprise at all? Or, I mean, trying to figure out, does he have a shot at maybe making the team, fifth-round pick? If he's the burner that we say he is, and he can take the top off the defense, and he can attract the if he can attract defensive attention, and you know free up guys and and, and get you know over the top and, and make big plays, then yeah, I'd say he's got a shot. Um, obviously, like you you stated, kind of the obvious, you got to be a little bit concerned about the frame um, and those guys. But but in today's NFL, there's 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 space for guys like that. I mean, I I wouldn't I wouldn't hold my breath, but I wouldn't be surprised. He's definitely someone that. He's, he's got his chance. He's worth a shot. Yeah, if there's a world, too, where you can get a Cordero Patterson, a Ted Ginn Jr., a Darnell Mooney, a Tariq Cohen, some sort of combination of that on the field, that's the kind of speed that I don't think the Bears have had in, in years. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm struggling to think. Right. No, that's an, a super ex- – that's the thing about the Bears is that you can look around and point at things and say, hey, this is, this is good. You can, you can talk yourself into it. But – and I hate to bring this up. I hate to come back to this. But with all things Chicago Bears, it comes back to the quarterback. You can have all the speed on the field that you want. You can have all the gadgets, all the assets, but someone's got to get them the ball, and you got to feel confident in their ability to do so. Um, so, I mean, I'm excited to see how all that plays out. I, like I said, I, I think the Bears do have some weapons. I, they've been maybe underutilized, maybe mismanaged. I don't know what the word is, but um, hopefully that we can we can find – uh, that quarterback solution, that the the guy that can distribute the ball and and put it into everyone's hands and, and let you know let everyone cook a little bit. Well, we all know the secret to success, right? Put fifteen tight ends on your roster uh, at one time uh, because there's there's a lot of tight ends it right now. Nine is nine. It was it was never more than nine. I don't I don't think. I think yeah, I think it maybe was pushing double digits, and I think they cut Broniger or something like that. But there's a lot of dudes in that room right now. Maybe we could just like hit that one real quick. Obviously, Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet, they're not going anywhere. Demetrius Harris has probably got a great shot at making the team. Out of the group of Jesper Horstead, J.P. Holtz, Eric Sauber, you know, 
who are you kind of looking at? Maybe, you know, some of those guys got a taste last year. Who are you kind of looking at maybe to be able to contribute in 2020? My thought would be Horstead, uh, you know, just based off of his experience of coming back. Uh, I believe he had an, a, almost 10 catches last year, uh, had a touchdown. So, I mean, we're looking at four string tight ends. We're looking at, I mean, when we get to that point, we're looking at someone who, who can come in, fill in, but it's going to largely be a special teams guy. And so I got to, I got to think that Horstead's got a shot at it. Um, but that would kind of be my guess if they go to four, uh, if they go to five, I'm leaning. And again, I'm, this is completely, I would lean toward Holtz, but again, I'm that I, we're talking about fifth string tight ends at this point. It's a total crapshoot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I like what the, um, I like what the Bears did this year in trying to address tight end issues. I don't love it. I don't, you know, I don't look at it and go, hey, you know, we really fixed fixed an issue here. Um, but I think anything's an upgrade over what they had last year. Um, and when you see the contracts that just got paid out to Kelsey and uh, to George Kittle, suddenly the Jimmy Graham contract seems a little bit more manageable. And so, you know, we'll take Jimmy Graham. Maybe he's a little bit of an overpay. Um, but pairing him with Cole Komet and Demetrius Harris, I think it's an okay tight end group. And, and whoever the heck is four, five, six, if they decide to, to stay that deep, who knows? But I think it's an okay group. Jesper Horstead, the only Bears tight end who was on the 2019 roster uh, that is still, I mean, obviously Holtz finished the year, but he was the only guy that started for them week one. They completely cleaned out that room and started over. You know, J.P. Holtz is interesting. They played him at fullback. I don't know, out of desperation. Um, I don't know out of inspiration last year. So that was kind of an interesting move that they did. I wonder if you can explain this. And this is kind of more of a fantasy football question where, you know, why is it so hard for tight ends to make an impact in their rookie season? You know, you, you go through and you look at all the Hall of Famers and they all kind of struggle. I mean, fantasy numbers wise, struggle to put up fantasy numbers. But in general, it seems like they kind of struggle to make an impact. You know, why is that? What could you put your finger on maybe with that? I think that's a good question. If I had to try and put my finger on anything, you know, I think it's probably has a lot to do with it being such a, a jump uh, in terms of physicality and the role, uh, you know, going from a, a, a college tight end. If you're that good of a college tight end as a, as a receiver, you probably um, – you know, just more physically gifted, probably not seeing as complicated of schemes. Um, but then you throw in the added element of getting to this level, and all of a sudden you're probably being asked to do a little bit more blocking and taking on a larger role within the offense itself. Um, and again, that's as much me just trying to understand, uh, trying to understand it. Um, but that would kind of be my thought process on the whole thing, because um, obviously you're just you're probably being asked to do a little bit more than you were at the collegiate level. Um, because if you're some receiving star tight end in college, you're probably kind of in, the, in that frame, a receiver. And now in the NFL, we're going to ask you to do a little bit more. Yeah. They, they have to, they got to learn their blocking assignments right before they can get on the field and probably contribute offensively. I mean, that's probably step one, right? You got to learn that aspect and then the team learns how to trust you. And then you can get on the field. You know, that's a big thing with running backs, right? Is how do you become a three down back? You learn how to pass block, right? And maybe that is a, a steeper learning curve for tight ends. And I like Cole Komet. I just, you know, I, I want to temper maybe Bears fans' expectations of, I don't know if he's going to be catching two touchdowns and popping 95 yards on week one. No, I, I, I like Cole Komet. I think he's going to be a great athlete and eventually be a great, great asset. 
um, a good addition. And, and you, you know, the Bears need anyone to throw the ball to. So uh, I think Quebec can definitely contribute in that way. But like we said, you got to kind of I, – I would – I'm with you on that. I think it's going to take a little bit. Um, but he is a great athlete, and I would be excited to see, uh, you know, just some some Bears tight ends getting in space and making plays. So I, I'm I'm optimistic, but you know, obviously week one, uh, who knows what we're going to be getting into. Yeah, let's see those uh, Kansas City seam routes we were sold when Matt Nagy was uh, hired as coach, right? Uh, where have those puppies been? Yeah, where uh, I thought, you know, kind of we would see some of what we saw with, uh, with Travis Kelsey, you know, where where's that been uh in chicago yeah i don't know i mean all i know is if jimmy graham like pulls down like one of those for 25 yards the first couple weeks like we're all gonna kind of lose our minds (laughs) we're gonna over we're gonna overreact so hard (laughs) uh you know uh it's gonna definitely be cameron episode episode 17 is jimmy graham back (laughs) hot take is jimmy graham gonna be a pro bowler holy cow (laughs) <laughs> hot take the moment you know the moment when jimmy graham catches like a touchdown pass and then goes to slam it over the crossbar and gets like rim stuffed for the oh we thought we had it we thought we had him back i say just go to post moves and just do one of those turnaround sky hooks i would just i would probably just move over to that one i would die i would die if if jimmy graham just started doing like the, the like some a dream Akeem shake? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just hit him with the shake and tossed it up over the crossbar. That's that'd be great. And Old does, man game. He does dad the ball. Game. Yeah, the ball hold. Oh man, the dad game. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. They'll set some picks. The like because I mean it's all involved now, the, the celebrations and I, everything. Yeah, I say get the offensive line involved. Set some screens. Yeah, exactly. You gotta get everyone involved, and then I don't think Jimmy Graham should be dunking anytime soon. Uh, you 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 kind of teased this, uh, you teased this last week. I want to talk about the cornerbacks real quick. Obviously, Kyle Fuller's a starter. We drafted Jalen Johnson in the second round. Kevin Toller, Tolliver was able to start some games last year for the Bears. You know, talk to us about Jalen Johnson. Seemed like uh, you, you were high on him. Seemed like you liked his potential. Yeah, I like Jalen Johnson. I, you know, I, I would say he's probably the pick that I think can make the most immediate impact for the Bears uh, from this draft. Um, you know, coming into this thing, you know, replacing Prince and Mukamara, um, it's not going to be an easy task. And I don't know. I can't – I'm not sure that he'll he'll get to be uh, the starter opposite Kyle Fuller week one. Um, obviously, he's going to have to go out there and, uh, you know, compete against, you know, guys like Tolliver and Buster Screen and all of that. But I would like to think uh, that, you know, based off of what we saw in college, and obviously we haven't been able to see a whole lot of – of uh, tape from camp so far, but I like uh, the upside that Jalen Johnson brings. And I think that he can uh, kind of be, I think he could be a shutdown corner in this league. And, and I, I like the idea of him um, on playing opposite side, opposite Kyle Fuller. Yeah. And from a, a far off perspective too, it's kind of nice. It was a smart move to sort of restart the clock at the cornerback position a little bit, which was, you know, a lot of fans were worried that, you know, we got rid of Jordan Howard, but, you know, we got to restart the clock on a contract with David Montgomery. That's sort of the same situation with Jalen Johnson. You're not always going back into the free agent pool over and over again. Fuller got his money, and now you can hopefully let a young player grow into a position, and then what, you can control him for five, six years? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, uh, you know, with some of the, you know, the energy that he's going to provide. I think that if he can come in and step in and be a, a solid starter, uh, obviously that that defensive backfield can be very solid. And, you know, obviously, 
you know, the Bears are kind of going to be known. Obviously, their defense, everyone knows them for their defense, and I think they get um, a lot of credit for the way they look up front, that front seven. But, I mean, this this is going to be a solid defensive backfield, especially, and I think Jalen Johnson could be a big contributor in that. Let's hit one more. Between, you know, the defensive line, obviously interior defense with Eddie Goldman opting out, and the inside linebacker core, you know, you lose Nick Kukowski in the offseason. They're kind of looking for someone as that rotational piece. For you, you know, which one do you have your eye on and which one might be a little bit more important specifically for the Bears as they're trying to figure out who they're going to run with in 2020? Um, when I look at that entire linebacker group, uh, and we talked a little, a, little bit about, uh, a little bit about it last week, I love the Robert Quinn pickup. Um, so obviously him on the outside as an edge rusher, I think that's important. I think that's going to help solidify that pass rush. Um, when we look to the interior, um, obviously – uh, playing behind uh, Danny and Roquan, I've, I'll be interested to see, uh, you know, Josh Woods. Um, I, I think that he's going to be someone that can come in and contribute. Um, and I'm hoping that he can sort of be that next guy uh, because Danny Trevathan is not going to make it through the entire season. It's just it's just a fact. Um, so my hope would be that Josh Woods would be someone that can step up and, and play uh, in his place. Um, but th- that's kind of where I, I'm leaning right now. But uh, obviously, I, I think that, that they've got a that second level is is a strong group, and I gotta I gotta hope that you know when that day comes that Danny has to miss a week, um, that you know that Josh Woods can can step in and fill that void. Yeah, that's no knock on Trevathan, right? It's just inevitable. I mean, the dude plays hard. A lot of the injuries are never really his fault. What he got is like hand jammed in between helmets a couple of years ago and missed some time. I mean, the dude just it's a hard it's hard to keep him on the field for 16 games. It's hard to keep anyone on the field for 16 games, but, I mean, Danny, as great of a player as he is, does have a track record of, of dealing with some injuries. And so, uh, but like we said, it's kind of inevitable. Um, it's just part of the position. It's part of the game. So you got to have that next man up mentality. Shout out to last week or call back to last week when we're doing our coach speak. Yeah, nice. Read, read him between the lines. He's got that mentality. It's in his right. brain. <laughs> exactly. Well, 28 days ago until they, uh, they hiked the ball on week one, Obviously, a lot of this stuff is going to start to get fleshed out. Do you want to hit the quarterback right now? Do you want to talk quarterback, or is it a little too early for you? Because, you know, I can go – I can talk about quarterback all day, but there is a point where, you know, it's, it, do we really know? It, it's in the oven right now. Is it baked yet? Can we, can we have any real takes on who's, gonna, who's got the inside track right now? I mean, we'll keep it short just because I think that you're going to hear plenty of this over the next 28 days. You've heard about it all summer. Um, I think you have to think that – Mitchell Trubisky has the upper hand entering the season. He's the one that has been with this group before. Um, so he has, he has definitely has the upper hand if we're talking about, uh, if we're talking about chemistry and, and, and this group and understanding the offense, obviously there's been changes. Um, but I think you have to think that Mitchell, at least in my opinion, is going to come in and, and have the upper hand going into camp. Now, does that mean that he's always going to have it? No, absolutely not. Um, but I think that just having the experience being the veteran or the return, not the veteran, but the returning player in this offense, he's got to start at the top. Now he could lose that just as easily. Yeah. And it's going to play itself out. Right. And no matter who it is, they're going to make a decision. And like we mentioned before, one of those, both of those guys will probably play in 2020, you know, let's take a left turn off the training camp highway. Cause I don't know if you know this about me, I'm always hungry. Um, I could always eat and <laughs> And, you know, we don't have a name for this segment yet. I know we're working it out in the middle of the pod, but this could be like, I don't know, this is Cam's Corner, Cameron's Cottage. 
uh, Cam's okay. Cave. I don't know, but this is where we kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and talk to you know, a former NFL player and try and learn about some of the things that are, are myths that perhaps he can either dispel or specify. And I want to talk to you about food. You're an offensive lineman, man. I mean, you've got to know a thing or two about food. And I'm just sort of curious, you know, I don't even know where to start, but maybe we can just sort of start with off season. You know, let's just say it's the first couple of weeks after the season's over and you're like, look, I'm taking a blow. I'm going to relax. Do you go nuts on food? What do you eat? What do you get down on? You know, what's your guilty pleasure? Okay. So for me, I was never, I never felt like I was too unhealthy of an eater. Um, But I was someone that rather than eating terrible food, I was just eating a ton of food. So for me, I always felt like I tried to eat pretty healthy, but just so much of it, you know, I was eating for a long time. Uh, I had like two or three entire blenders full of protein shakes multiple, yeah, multiple times a day. Like not just like a shake from the blender, but like the whole blender. Um, but I get, I get a little greasy every now and then I get a little sloppy. Uh, so my kind of off season guilty pleasure, um, it's really my guilty pleasure is, and I don't eat a lot of fast food, but the, the Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich right now, dude, it's, it's the sandwich. It's, I had it's, one last week. The sandwich. I had one last week. So you can go off and you can get the bucket of chicken, right? You can get all the sides. You can get the popcorn shrimp and everything. You can load up. You can do whatever you want. But I tell you, man, two of those spicy chicken sandwiches with that pickle right in the middle there, sign me up. And then put me down, put me down, because I'm not waking up. Oh man, the 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 sandwich with the little spicy mayo sauce, whatever it is, the pickle, the bun, the thing. I mean, it's it's a masterpiece. And when I t- when I talk about sandwiches, I like to talk about my sandwich like it's on like it's an ensemble cast. You know, <laughs> everyone's got a role to play, and that's the thing that I think is really important to understand about a sandwich is that. There are elements of that sandwich that I don't like as individuals. I don't like pickles. You know, I wouldn't just eat a pickle. But in the right context, in the right situation, I mean, it makes all the difference. You know, it's like an ensemble cast. There are actors or people that you don't like, but when that group gets together, when their chemistry gets going, that pickle completes the sandwich. And I would not dare order it without one. You know, I wouldn't offend Mr. Popeye himself by saying, hey, could you special order me that special that spicy chicken sandwich? I want that whole thing, you know. That guy, there's a, there's a reason there's a crunch in there, Mr. Lee. There's an exact reason why it's there. Yeah, I love exactly. a little crunch cut in there. And yeah, it's very much like you know Leonardo DiCaprio and The Revenant. Great movie. Don't really need to see it again because the ensemble. It's just kind of him the whole time. You know, give me that pickle. Give me that spiciness. I like that sweet heat sauce. I like dipping the sweet heat mm-hmm. sauce on top of that uh, spicy right. chicken sandwich. That's really good. My fast food of choice is McDonald's, uh, which I've nicknamed McNonos because I shouldn't do it, and I still do it, <laughs> nonetheless. What do you get? Well, what do you get when you go? Oh, buddy, uh, I, I'm a big Big Mac guy. Uh, I like uh, I like the chicken nuggets, so maybe I'll do like a Big Mac and a six piece of chicken McNugget. But I will tell you because this is a Believe in Bears pod. When the Bears played in the Super Bowl, 2006, I had a party at my house. I dressed up in a suit. I had everybody over because I wanted to look classy when the Bears won the Super Bowl, right? Bears lose. I kick everyone out, and I go to McDonald's, and me and my buddy, I swear to God, we get, like, 
40 bucks worth of McDonald's and just brought it back to the house and just ate in silence. We're talking Big Macs, double quarter pounders, talking 40 piece chicken McNugget and just sat in silence. It was a dark time, but McDonald's got me through it. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you came out of that moment, man, because that sounds like you're in a really bad place, but you seem to be doing better now. It was the toughest time of my life, Cameron. It took everything, everything in my life to be able to get through the Bears and Rex Grossman losing the Super Bowl. Help us dispel this myth uh, as offensive linemen. Can you eat whatever you want, whenever you want? I mean, the modern athlete, that thing's gone by the wayside, right? Like, everyone just thinks you guys can just pack on tons of calories and then, you know, eat a pint of ice cream and wake up and play football. Does that, does that still happen, or has modern science gotten in the way of the fun? I think Joe Thomas did that, and he's the greatest left tackle of my generation, so I, he may have done that. But, no, I think um, – I think it's it depends a lot. It's case by case, you know, because there's a couple of different types of offensive linemen. There's the natural athlete who there's the natural athlete who's just big. The big athlete who basically has feet like a running back and is built and might be 310 pounds but miraculously like fifth like 10 to 15% body fat. The Cameron that Lee. Guy, no, 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 no. <laughs> that guy no, that guy, yeah, he could probably get away with eating a little bit more. Then there's the guy who is not a super talented athlete who saw a lane for himself as an offensive lineman because it didn't require a ton of athleticism, so he got big. I know a lot of those guys who are like, hey, I'm going to be six foot two or six foot three, um, and I'm not athletic enough to run the ball or to make tackles. Maybe I'll get big. And so those guys eat a ton. I'm talking a ton and just like do everything in their power to get to 290 to 300 just to have a shot to play in the NFL. Those guys can eat. So th there's that type. And then there's, there's the guy that's the big sloth type. The, the big guy who is just so big, they actually question his athleticism and he has to stay small. So that guy tries to diet and that guy has a very limited diet you know so it really depends i was close i was probably close in between the first two categories of the guy that was kind of like naturally built the right way and a little on the on the leaner side um i but for a while in college i was consuming around ten thousand calories a day to get to what was deemed sufficient offensive lineman size that's a lot of no-nos man that's a lot of mcnuggets there man that's a lot of uh that's a lot of protein shakes man yeah so like in training camp are you the type of guy that had a hard time keeping it on or because you're you know once you get into it you know you were you were losing so much that you had to keep keep putting it putting on calories i don't really know what happened during training camp because i, I don't know if it was just water weight which is an expression that i'm not smart enough to understand or what but i seem to be the guy that gained weight during camp and i remember because it was crazy because during training camp, especially in college, I remember we'd have to weigh in and weigh out. And uh, I remember one day during a practice losing like 12 pounds. Just like, I think I was like 326 or something before practice and ended up like, what's the math? Subtract 12, like 300, 314, 314 pounds. <laughs> I'm here for you. <laughs> yeah. Right. I can't count bears tight ends, but I, I but I can count that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think I was like, what was it? Ben Bronicker on the depth chart. I lost that many pounds. 
Jones. Damn, dude. <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, no, during camp for me, I was I felt like I was gaining weight though because you you finish practice and you're so tired and you're so depleted, and then you go and you eat so much, and you're like, I, I'm gonna recover. And then you, if you're doing all the right things, if you're taking care of your body, if you're resting, if you're getting you know all the proper nutrition and adequate sleep and all that stuff, like you'll get it back, and that's kind of like what your body's trying to do. So let's just take a quick little walk around the block here with uh, some of the other teams in the division. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, the NFC North, always a feisty division. You know, Bears were on top two years ago, Packers are on top this year. But, uh, you know, a lot of these teams are going through some changes. You know, the continuity is there for some of these teams, but in other areas that used to be strengths, it's not quite the same. You know, which team, you know, we're going to do a little drive-by on the divisions because it's still early, but we can talk about them. You know, which team would you like to talk about first? You know, maybe a team that you got your eye on or maybe a team that maybe is getting a little too much credit right now. Um, I mean, I feel like we're 28 days away from playing the Detroit Lions, so maybe we ought to start there. Yes. Okay. Mitch's, so, um, Mitch's favorite franchise. <laughs> yeah, has, he's beat the, beat the Lions every time, right? Every time. His numbers are out of control. I like to I'd like to talk about the Detroit Lions because I kind of feel like they're the antithesis of the Chicago Bears. And what I mean by that is when you talk about the Bears, you say their defense will keep them in games. Their defense will keep them in games. It's really a matter of can their offense get rolling. Matt Stafford is going to keep the Lions in games if he's healthy. They have uh, I love their receiving core. I love uh, the offseason pickup of DeAndre Swift. I think that he. Uh, hopefully can establish the running game. And, you know, the Lions, Kenny Galladay was an absolute problem uh, for defenses last year. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. is a tremendous wide receiver too. I like the Amendola pickup. I like TJ Hawkinson when he's healthy and on the field. I I know that he became TJ Droppinson to a lot of people last year, but I don't think that that's really a fair uh, indication of what he's going to be throughout his career. So, I mean, when I look at this team, I go – you know, this offense really could create a lot of issues. Now, they do have offensive line problems, but when Matt Stafford was healthy, he was playing at an elite level last year, a really, truly elite level. Now, you look at that and go, Matt Stafford was playing out of his mind, the best football of his career, and they were 3-4-1 and one when he got hurt. So, that being said, there definitely, there definitely are some issues, and when I when we address these issues, I think it's largely, you know, coming off the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they're going to have to replace Des, uh, Darius Slay. I think that's definitely a tough, tough one to replace. Um, but, you know, the, the, I like the Jamie Collins signing. Desmond Trufant can, maybe he can come in and, and play in Slay's place. Not bad pickups. It's just a largely unproven defense. Um, at, but Jeff Akuda, uh, the the Ohio State signing or draft pick, you know, they're saying that he might be the best Best quarterback to come out of uh, Ohio State in quite a while, and they have a good track record. So, you know, maybe that they can turn around that secondary. But I, I would say that the Lions are the team that has the most room for growth. And now that's not even saying much because, you know, coming off of a three-win season. But I like the Lions to to make a step forward this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if they get closer to the six or seven win mark. It seems like they're on the up, right? Now – you know, in terms of Aduka, yeah, all the talent in the world, great that we get to face him week one, uh, a rookie corner in the NFL. That's a great start, or at least gives you somewhat of a chance. And you're right, man, losing Slay hurt. You know, they did, like, do some work on their linebacker core, brought in Reggie Ragland, Jamie Collins, you know, tried to shore up that area. 
But again, it's the same old story with the Detroit Lions. You know, Stafford was on pace for 38 touchdowns last year, got hurt. But again, you know, that defense, you know, they, they feel like a team sometimes that it's not that they lack an identity, but they sort of just throw shit at the wall sometimes where it's like they look at just this one area and they go all in on it. And running back is always one of them. You know, DeAndre Swift, they're bringing him in this year, but, you know, Carrion Johnson was supposed to be the answer. You know, Amir Abdullah was the answer before that. You know, health aside, you know, they always keep turning that over, trying to figure out whether they can click on that. And it really is going to come down to whether that defense, right, can stick together. And, man, you're right on the receivers. Like, they got size, man. Like, in terms of Galladay and Marvin Jones, you know, those are two guys with size that kind of scare me if I'm a Bears fan a little bit. Those Both those guys can give them some problems. So, again, like, I, I don't know. Are you a Matt Patricia fan? Um, I mean, do you think that he gets the – you know, he gets run, run through the coals pretty frequently. Do you think that is deserved? Do you think the jury is still out? Or do you think maybe he's a good coach that just is still working with a roster that isn't quite complete? I mean, I think anyone that has a laminated call sheet and a pencil in his ear deserves some amount of, of, of jokes to be cracked about him. But that being said – uh, I think that Matt Patricia was coming into a difficult situation because he got a lot of credit for uh, what happened in New England on the defensive side of the ball. And he probably was deserving of some of that credit. But a lot of that's probably, uh, you know, coming from such an established system, a patriot way, if you will. You know, then they throw you into Detroit and you all of a sudden are kind of expecting to have that same sort of success and uh, to be able to cultivate that same sort of culture. It's just not that easy. Um, it's a very different atmosphere. You know, you hear from guys who have recently left uh, the Lions. Uh, Slay, for example, was talking about how uh, he's excited to be treated like a man or like an adult. Uh, so it's, there's, things are different. And I think that uh, Patricia's tried to build a different sort of culture. Um, and so he's definitely tried to bring in some more of his of his former Patriots, whether it be, even though it's Amendola on the offensive side of the ball, but Jamie Collins... Um, I, I think that they're trying to trying to establish um, a different sort of culture and sort of maybe get back to some of that Patriot way stuff. I think that Matt Patricia, you know, being a defensive coach, it never looks good when your defense doesn't come out and play well. So uh, I think he's on a little bit of the hot seat, but I do think that he's on, on the right track to, to turning things around this season. Yeah, never a good look when you're getting ripped up by Sam Darnold week one. What was that like last year? Like new look Lions and they get absolutely torched like in that game. You know, that isn't probably what you want. And, you know, I think you're hitting on a really interesting point where, you know, you bring a guy in, the Lions have lost forever. He is trying to make this organizational cultural change and there's probably going to be some growing pains there. And maybe that's where, you know, you have to get rid of a guy as talented as he is as Darius Slate because you're trying to work towards something. I'm kind of skeptical, though, whether they're going to actually be able to put that all together this season and, you know, the, the window proportionate to Matt Stafford's career with when does that actually click in? I'm sort of a little bit up in the air about at this point. I want to ask you about the Vikings. You know, the Vikings, you know, have been known for this defense that they've had the last couple of years. Obviously, they have a strong offense, but, you know, there's been that defensive core that they've had and they've lost some guys in the offseason. You know, how do you look at them? How do you handicap them right now? Because they have a lot of talent on offense, but the defense suddenly is kind of a question mark. Yeah, this definitely isn't the defensive old uh, that we've become accustomed to with the Minnesota Vikings. They're not a bad defense by any means, but it's definitely not the group, uh, like I said, that we've all uh, we've seen in the past. You know, they still have tremendous players in the in the second level. 
you gotta love Anthony Barr. Obviously, uh, one of the best in in our game. Uh, great pass rushers in, in uh, Danielle Hunter. Um, you know, so I think they'll be able to get a little bit of a pass rush up front, but it's definitely not the group uh, that we've become that we've become accustomed to. So uh, I I do think it's fair to assume that there will be a little bit of a step back, even on the offensive side of the ball. You know, losing a Stephon Diggs. Even if there were some chemistry issues, you can't deny that he was one of the best number two receivers in the league. You know, they go out and they get Justin Jefferson in the draft, which I think is a great signing. They go and try and and, uh, get Tajay Sharp. So, you know, they've done some stuff to solidify uh, that receiving core and give Kirk Cousins more weapons. Obviously, Dalvin Cook and his ability to run the ball has been huge uh, for this team. But there definitely are some holes in that offensive line that have to concern you a little bit. If you're a Vikings fan, all in all, I think that, you know, I think that they made some gains, but I think the holes in this defense and the players that they lost are going to be hard to overcome. I see them taking a small step back this year and maybe being close to the eight or nine win mark rather than the 10 or 11. Yeah, they tried to do the rookie receiver starter right off the bat with Laquan Treadwell a couple of years ago. And I'm not, I'm not saying that's what's going to be Justin Jefferson's fate, but if you're a Vikings fan, you got to be kind of a little nervous about that wide receiving core all of a sudden. And yeah, you know, from a Bears perspective, you know, the offense and Kirk Cousins, Khalil Mack owns Kirk Cousins. I mean, he literally just, he is in his, he is in his pants eating his lunch uh, every time that he plays Kirk Cousins, man. So I'm not so worried about that. It was always the defense, you know, could we always get to 16, 20 points against the Vikings? And now that they, they've lost some of their guys, you know, it kind of makes me think about whether, you know, are the Vikings on the way up, on the way, on the way down, or are they just treading water? Yeah, for sure. And one of the things that you got to consider is I don't think anyone in this league or that watches the league really, you know, Kirk Cousins is probably somewhat overrated and somewhat underrated simultaneously, which I know is hard to do. Um, but I say that because, you know, he's he is a game manager almost to the, you know, he is really the definition almost of a game manager in the NFL. Uh, and, and he can be a, a strong player and a strong quarterback, but they've had the advantage of having such a strong defense that they're in good positions and that they don't always have to win by getting into these offensive shootouts. And so you take some of that away. Uh, I think that you're going to see some of the struggles, uh, some a little bit more of struggles because it's just going to put you in different positions. Uh, you might be playing uh, behind on the scoreboard a little bit more. It just kind of changes the dynamic and the approach of the entire offense. So I would be interested to see how that impacts them. Uh, but like I was saying, I, I think that they're definitely going to take a small step back this year. And Cameron, let's talk about the Packers. Have I ever told you that I hate the Packers? Uh, have I you, revealed that to you yet? <laughs> you among many people. Oh, nothing but burns my nothing burns my fire. Nothing burns my fire hotter than watching the Packers lose, man. Uh, it is a joy of my life. It's it's just it's just a true pleasure. Of course, they were they were winning football games last year, returning a lot of the same guys, um, having some trouble with wide receiver kind of forgot to draft that position. Oh, I don't know this year, but maybe the last five or six years, Devin Funches has opted out. What do you see for the Packers right now, the defending NFC North champs? I'm just really confused by this team's strategy from a front office standpoint. And I say that respectfully, but I, I just don't understand really what they're going for. The team ended up 13-3, and three, NFC North champions, uh, was on the verge of, of making it to the Super Bowl last year. So you're looking at this team and you're thinking, hey, this team has a chance. This team has a shot. 
what can we do to get better? And I feel like they punted. Um, and that's no disrespect to a Jordan Love, no disrespect uh, to the to the Packers management. And I know that they, you know, they made some changes, but for the most part, they really just said, hey, let's run this thing back. And the thing that really concerns me about that is that I don't know how legitimate of a 13-3 and it was last year. I, I felt like they got to 13-3, and and, and 13 wins in the NFL is super respectable, and you can't take anything away from them. But I feel like that was closer to a 10-win team that caught some good breaks um, and, you know, because some good bounces and, and things went their way, and they ended up playing for the NFC Championship team. But it was not a, a super impressive 13-win team. So when you look at it now, I find it hard to see the places where they really got too much better. Uh, you know, losing of Lake Martinez is going to hurt. Losing uh, Brian Balaga. Uh, you know, the, the Packers have always, they've had a, a strong offensive line for a while. Uh, so, you know, replacing Balaga is obviously not going to be a super easy thing to do. They went out and made some additions. Um, I, I love the re-signing of Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark is a mammoth so he got paid that, he got paid so if for anyone that likes watching linemen kenny clark is something special so watch him um uh, but then again we hate the packers so but, <laughs> no. Packers no, no. But, yeah look uh and and, and you're, you're you're right too and I, the thing that i keep thinking about which sort of was perplexing for me is they got so close right and i just remember last year you know, they played it out in the media a little bit, but, you know, Rodgers talked a lot about this team still searching for an identity while they were winning football games. And all you have to do really is just kind of, he had a great year last year. The numbers look really good in totality. But if you look at like the five, five, six, seven final games, they were winning football games, but he wasn't really, you know, tossing touchdowns or putting up yards. It was a little bit of a winning ugly style. And so now you're going in an off season, you're like, instead of being like, hey, let's do that again. Wouldn't you be like, hey, let's, build on this and maybe take a step forward so now we're not winning these games ugly maybe we're winning by you know 10 points instead and they didn't really seem to do that so they got tons of you know dynamic offensive players and a hall of fame quarterback but I, i'm sort of with you i'm just sort of kind of trying to figure out you know do they believe in the system so much that they think that they're going to improve in year two or do they think that they're just going to have the exact same team they had last year and i don't know if that's the case yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I just I find it hard to believe that you, that you just roll out the exact same team uh, a year older. You know, your quarterback only got older, and, and I mean, everyone only got older. But I just find it hard to believe that you're just going to roll that same team out, and we're going to be just as good uh, another year under their belts. Uh, I, I just feel like there was just missed opportunities. And I, I, I think Jordan Love will be a great quarterback in this league one day. I truly do. Um but I just feel, and I'm sure that everyone know this, knows this and everyone's heard this, but there's there's just a lot of people that could have filled that void. You know, how many times were we watching the Packers last year and you're thinking, if they had someone opposite Devontae Adams, just someone opposite Devontae Adams, it's kind of the same thing that we're talking about with Anthony Miller on our team. Anthony Miller needs to be the guy to take attention away from Allen Robinson. And they, when you look at who's opposite Devontae Adams right now, we're talking about Allen Lazard, and Marquez Valdez-Scanling, who I think are good, are talented wide receivers. But we need someone to, to, you know, to be the guy, to be the number two guy. Because Devontae Adams is maybe, maybe the most talented wide receiver in the league. His route running's off the charts, uh, and and when he has the opportunity, he can, you know, can absolutely take games over. But there's he's going to draw a lot of attention this year. So I just, I don't know. I think again, this team takes a little bit of a regression as well.
Equanimous St. Brown also in the mix too as well. And am I getting it right? I got to be honest with you. I just kind of want to try. I just want to take a stab at it. Equanimous? I think, Quanini, it's a, I think it's Equanimous. Equanimous St. Brown. You know, they might not be Pro Bowl receivers, but they're all pro names. Lazard, Geronimo, Equanimous, St. Brown. I mean, God. Marquez, like Marquez, Valdez, Scantling. <laughs> yeah, Valdez, Scantling. Like, where did they where did these come fun, from? Even Funches is it's a fun, fun group. Jake Kumaro. This is yeah. This is a interesting group of names. Yeah, it's like you oh, open up a cabinet and it's just like a row of spices or something and herbs that you're trying to like sort of like kind of just pick from. Uh, how am I going to season this chicken here? Uh, a little lizard. Uh, a little Bagleton. Little, uh, don't forget the scantling, my friend. You gotta bra- you baste it with scantling. That's the only way to go. <laughs> well, Cameron, I feel good about episode two. We talked a little training camp. We took a little brief little walk around the division. We talked about spicy chicken sandwiches, which I think at the end of the day is get, it's what the listeners are going to be walking away with this year. I think they might be going to the drive-thru. I'm not sure. I, I want everyone that's listening to this to go out sometime this week and to order a Popeye spicy chicken sandwich and tell me that you've had a better fast food sandwich. I, I, I challenge you. And when you do, when you do decide that you may have had a better sandwich, tell me what it is and I will go eat it. I will go eat it and I will review it. Because I, I like I said, at one point in my life, I was 328 pounds. I, I want you to find me a better sandwich than that. And you know what, Cameron Lee, you're the host of Believe in Bears, dude. So when you tell me to do some prep and get a spicy chicken sandwich with a sweet heat sauce, you know, I do what the coach says. You know what I mean? I'm going, I'm going out and I'm getting that. I'm getting that and I'm snacking on it immediately. And while we're on the topic, I want want to make one more suggestion. If you're going to a restaurant, if you're going to a high quality restaurant, not to say that Popeye's is, no, you know what Popeye's is. Popeye's is a high quality restaurant. Don't you dare go in there. And take that that creative work that someone is so proud of, that chef is so proud of, and you special order it. Trust that person. Let the chef cook. You know what I'm saying? Don't go in there and act like you're the like you're the pro. You're not the pro. Let the chef cook, okay? They know what they're doing. Trust those people. Thank you. Rant over. I worked in the service industry. Nothing makes me more mad than I'll have a juicy uh, cheeseburger, meat and cheese only, or they want they want all the condiments on the side. And then they don't touch the condiments. You're like, you know, someone actually like put that there like really nicely for you. I will say I'm not a tomato on a cheeseburger guy. I, that's the one thing I take off. I'm, that's my snob moment. Here's my policy on the tomato. Again, I don't like tomatoes. But if it's on the sandwich, I eat it. If it falls off, I let it go. You know, can't save everyone. See, I don't, I don't go out of my way to save that tomato. But if it stays on sandwich, it's going to make its way to my stomach. And that's Believe in Bears, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Our host, Cameron Lee, episode two in the books. My friend, Cameron, take us on out and and say goodbye to the good people. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you again later in the week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.